0: Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be discussing some recent rumors surrounding George Hill and Trevor Riza, as well as giving a little bit of a preview for the Bulls game tomorrow and kind of something that you may want to take a look at from the injury report there. So, just going into George Hill and Trevor Riza. I mean, the trade deadline is looming. It's March the 25th. Currently, it's the 15th. So, what, you pretty much are around like 10 days remaining until you can't make any more trades. And there's a lot of guys on the market that are available. And it's not just coming from the Thunder. I know that there's kind of this, like, fire fire sale I guess you could say with our squad you got Mike Muscala Al Horford you also have Hill you have Trevor Ariza and Darius Miller maybe to a lesser extent same goes with someone like a Justin Jackson too but yeah we have a lot of pieces but there's a lot of other teams that also are trying to kind of move players around we saw LaMarcus Aldridge not too long ago he doesn't want to be with the San Antonio Spurs PJ Tucker he's pretty much done with the Rockets Victor Oladipo damn near gave up a couple nights ago with them so they're kind of in shambles the Orlando Magic too I mean Aaron Gordon apparently has almost been traded two different times this season it seems like he would still be on the block and if he's gone I think it kind of gives you the impression that they would just want to sell everybody high right now because they do have a lot of people playing out of their minds. Nikola Vucevic being the main target you get out of there. All-star level center in this league, no doubt about it. He'd dominate for a contender. And then you got guys like Terrence Ross who'd be great bench contributors, so they would be on the board. But I mean, you kind of got to pick your spots. You know, Contenders aren't going to be able to make a couple picks into Nikola Vucevic unless you're throwing tons and tons I want these budget options and I think Oklahoma City kind of has been that sweet spot so Shams from The Athletic he made a pretty thorough article today about some of the recent news that he's gotten from sources on the trade deadline and kind of what to be expecting for some different players and he actually tagged both George Hill and Trevor Ariza in this article and he said several playoff contenders have interest in both hill and ariza sources say the clippers are among teams interested in hill sources said hill has been a positive veteran for the thunder and coupled with the fact that he has another season left on his contract in 2021 to 2022 10 million partially guaranteed the thunder are happy retaining hill into the second half of the season unless a team meets their asking price for the veteran point guard Ariza meanwhile is on an expiring deal worth 12.8 million as the next 10 days play out more discussions are bound to take place so pretty much what you guys got from that looks like both of them are available that's nothing new there's a little bit more of a cushion with george hill because he's not just an expiring you can move him next season because of that partially guaranteed deal making 9.5 this season that's going to give you a kind of pretty penny and if you want to stick hill in for your next season it's going to cost you 10 million dollars if you don't want to and you just want to cut him it's not going to burn that much i think it's like 1.7 mil might be a little bit higher a little bit lower than that but anyways it's a guy that if you are just making a one-year push it doesn't work out you can kind of get rid of hill and it wouldn't be that bad you can still retain him too if that is a viable option Thunder, I mean, if they don't see an offer on the table, they definitely can keep him, and he'd be a 35-year-old next year on an expiring contract, and maybe people would still be cool with that if he's producing like he has been before his injury. Absolutely. Especially on the the deal that he has worked around, but it's obvious. like Oklahoma City, they definitely want to get rid of George Hill. Like, Yeah, he was great with Shea Gildas Alexander, and when he was starting, he was posting amazing numbers. He was averaging upwards of 11 points, two rebounds, and three assists in the 13 games that he was starting at the two guard. But he's 34. And I mean, for our timeline, it really just does not work. And the minutes aren't really available for him anymore. They used to be available to begin the season. Those have been taken up. Whenever we started the year, you had guys like Maladone who were in the conversation. But if he was playing, it's like, let's give him 15 minutes and see how he does. It wasn't oh, he's going to be playing 25 minutes a game. That was not the initial kind of strategy going into things. And you had Hamadou Diallo kind of up in the air. There's just a lot of different pieces who didn't establish themselves. And it meant that Hill, I mean, clearly he was the most qualified than pretty much everybody there. So of course he got, he got the minutes, but now it just doesn't make too much sense because he's 10 plus years older than the other three guards that kind of are competing with them, and even Shvi Mikhailuk, he's also 11 years older than the man. I mean, Shvi's only 23 years old, SGA is 22 years old, Ty Jerome's 23, and Teo Maladone is 19. So, it just doesn't make sense to kind of give him time over anyone else. And even Kenrich Williams, like it's not a 10 year gap, but it's still eight years. I mean, Kenrich is only 26 years old, so. It really doesn't make sense for him to be taken any time. So they definitely want him out. Now, whenever you look at kind of the Clippers, which is a team rumored to be around them, said several different sources. We know Philadelphia is one of them based off of prior knowledge. I made an episode mid-February about this because the 76ers inquired about George Hill's availability. And they didn't go anywhere, at least as of right now. But we know Philadelphia is on the board they can do a lot more in order to get george hill they have a guy in mike scott making five million dollars you can work with him that cuts it down to just needing to fill in 4.5 and i actually think they have some little exception or it's something to where they don't actually have to give 9.5 on the dot they have tony bradley who they could throw in and they'd make money work throwing a pick or something that works out that's kind of clear cut you throw mike scott in a deal and you throw in a young asset or some picks It's not like that for the LA Clippers because they don't have a Mike Scott on their roster. All these kind of scrubs or players that you don't really need, they're making dirt cheap money. They did a very good job kind of evaluating the talent and giving them rightful contracts. Now there's guys like Marcus Morris who's making $12 million and maybe give or take a little bit, I think he might have been paid a little bit too much. But it doesn't matter. They're not just going to give Marcus Morris away for a guy like George Hill. They're looking to give away the Patrick Pattersons of the world who are making $3 million. And that's just not going to work because you still have a lot of ground to cover. And you're not going to be able to do that. Even the Reggie Jacksons, like the bench guys, they're pretty much making under $3 million. So you're not going to be able to make it work. Rookie scale deals. If you want to do that, by all means, it's going to cost you four players. And then it's kind of a fiasco. They need a third team really to make any deal without throwing in some of the players that they actually value really highly and the main dude that i'm talking about is lou williams he's also 34 years old and i mean he kind of gives that same skill set like george hill is more than just a scorer i'd say hill is maybe more like a catch and shoot guy who can play make whereas lou williams isn't much as like a distributor i guess he's more of like a shot creator guy i mean you guys have seen lou williams before you know how he has so much hardware when it comes to the sixth man of the year award it's because he was able to be a spark plug off the bench and he still is he's averaging double digits in points but you know they kind of do want to try to get more options at the point guard spot especially because patrick Beverly's really Not performing as he has in the previous years. He's kind of battling injuries as well. And Reggie Jackson just is not doing it for them. I mean, he just got demolished a couple days ago. Jackson Hayes disrespected him, damn near killed the guy on the floor. They need some help at the point guard spot. And that's what George Hill would be. He would be the reinforcements. And I guess, yeah, you could give Patrick Beverly, and money works fine. But number one would they want to give up patrick beverly number two do we even want patrick beverly are you kidding me that guy in a thunder jersey well we'll give him the trevor reason treatment we will just be cool with that give us a couple seconds maybe it'll work out but i don't know i don't know if the clippers would be cool with that if they don't want to do that it really comes down to lou will or someone like zubach and he's not going to be available for a trade like that if you're not getting a big man in return no way that's never going to happen you can try to slide up like Serge Ibaka to the five spot, but it just doesn't it doesn't make too much sense for them. So I don't think they'd want to move Zubac if they're not getting a big man. I just think it's kind of a weird structure for the Clippers to want to be in this race. And I'm kind of curious to see how Jerry West is kind of pulling the strings here to make a deal work out because, yeah, George Hill would be amazing for the roster. He gives them everything they need for a playoff push because they don't have a real playmaker. Like I think Patrick Beverly's all right, but he's not that that great as I'd say a Hill would be. Same goes with Reggie Jackson. I mean, he's all right, and they just they just don't have it in them. I mean, they had Shamit a couple. They had Shamit last year actually. They gave him up for Luke Kennard, and he's just a catch and shoot guy. They have a lot of shooters, a lot of shooters, a lot of guys who can fill in, but they just don't have true point guards really that can dominate on a consistent basis. That's what George Hill would do for you probably off the bench, but at the same time, I mean, he could see starting minutes if there was a time where Beverly goes down. I think they'd probably actually play him over someone like Reggie Jackson, but that's besides the point. I think they'd love him. I mean, we would love to get rid of him. The only assets they have are second round picks. Now they have a 2027 first, but you don't expect them to just give that away. And maybe even due to like the Steffian rule, they couldn't even do that knowing they pretty much gave us Control of everything for the next six years. I mean, we either have unprotected firsts from them or the right to swap. So they're locked up. They can't do anything at all in terms of what they want to do in the draft. But what they did was they were stacking up on seconds. And as I talked about, they had Shammett, looked good, looked very promising with them, turned him into Luke Kennard and three second round picks from the Detroit Pistons. Now, those picks. They come in three consecutive years, which is kind of crazy. I guess the Steffian rule only works with first, but they have it in 2024, 2025, and 2026. They also have their own picks. I believe there's a Houston Rockets one in like 2022. I, it's, they have an extra pick in 2022. Don't know if it's the, it's the Rockets, but it's definitely one of the lower teams. So that would be a very valuable pick to have. You would love to get rid of Hill for like one or two firsts. Now, knowing Presti, you'd probably want to get a young piece, and they don't really have that. I believe they have Terrence Mann who went off in the bubble, I think the closer to the regular season where everybody was just playing their bench scrubs. Terrence Mann like saved them. I think it went to overtimes. crazy. I don't know if we need a shooting guard, so I think Mann's out of there. They got, uh, I think it's Gelly. yeah. Uh, bolster up the center spot. I don't know exactly if you'd want it out of him. We kind of already have someone like him and Moses Brown, so I'd probably scratch him off. I don't think they just have anyone. You need to give up picks. Probably give you, I'd say, a pretty high, pretty high second round pick and maybe even two. That's kind of what I would think of for a George Hill player and you know if you want to scratch out one of those seconds for a younger player that works I just think a third team would need to be involved I don't really see it I tried mocking up deals very very hard to envision George Hill going to the Clippers just in a one-for-one there needs to be some more involvement from some other teams and maybe you get in package deals now in the case of Philadelphia like I said that one's a lot easier and they also have young guys like a Paul Reed There's no way he's on the table right now because of how he played in the Summer League or in Orlando, excuse me. He was just that good. He was the number one player in Orlando, and it was not even close. And, I mean, I believe they even got to the finals just right on his coattails. The Delaware Bluecoats rallied around the man, and he dominated. Six foot nine, he can do it all for you. He's going to be a beast with the 76ers. I can't really see... Elton Brand wanting to give him away for a veteran and there needs to be a lot of stuff to pry a player of his caliber away so you kind of draw it up you also think you know what about some other teams like a I don't know uh Brooklyn Nets maybe I know that they are kind of having some hiccups with no Spencer Dinwiddie they're trying to get rid of him that gives up a spot at the PG spot you have Kyrie Irving and you also are looking at some other people Shamit he's been all right, Bruce Brown has emerged, but if you need another guy to kind of tool in, George Hill definitely does make sense there, so I don't know, there's definitely going to be some options, I think when they say several teams are interested, it's in a literal sense, I don't think it's just the 76ers and the LA Clippers, there's got to be some more people wanting someone like George Hill, because I feel like at a bare minimum, you'd you want to at least know from Sam Presti, because it's pretty obvious that he is, Going to be available in the coming days with trevor reza it's been obvious we don't want him i mean it's not a matter if we don't want him it's just I, he doesn't want to be with us and we're cool with it it's like a mutual parting pretty much so i guess yeah we don't really want him anyways with the 12.8 million dollar expiring it's really just a blessing to have that because if he was locked into like a you know 12 million dollar deal for multi years we're looking at an Al Horford situation that you can't salvage because he doesn't want to play 35 years old my goodness but with a free agency class like the one we have in 2022 that extra 12.8 mil is going to come in handy it's not a very top heavy free agency class to my knowledge you know with Giannis he's already inked that super max that was the main one you were kind of going after but there's still a lot of remnants that are very very good on unrestricted deals the top guys are on team options so I don't really expect much movement I think Kawhi tops that list but you have players like DeMar DeRozan, Andre Drummond they're going to be out of there you also have players such as Lori Markkinen and John Collins who are ending their rookie scale contracts their respective teams they're going to hit the open market so for a team wanting to go after a John Collins who wants to fetch 25 million dollars a season that's going to come in big time and this isn't just going to be a deal where, you know, a championship contender would want it. This is a very versatile thing when you come into these huge, huge contracts. And Oklahoma City may actually value Trevor Reza, and they may try to leverage that if they want to get someone like a Markkinen or a John Collins. They'd be, you know, I would say solid fits. I'd probably say Collins more so than marketing at least as of right now. But I don't know. I mean, there's definitely a reason that a tanking team or you know a team looking to make a splash later on would want him same goes for someone making a playoff push and if you get the best of both worlds you got a playoff contender who also wants to build for the future because there are so many just solid role players and bench presences who you could bring on probably for around that same amount next season so it does uh work out anyways for the year i mean Ariza has that clean slate never even touching the court only basketball courts he's been playing in are in miami florida and that's with Amari Stoudemire, so take it as you will. I don't know what the competition level really would be. I know Greg Monroe also spent some time with them. But anyways, I mean, all you got to go off of is his resume, and he does have a pretty decorated resume. Champion with the Los Angeles Lakers, playing in a bench role, averaged around 24 minutes, I think. And then just throughout his career, he's been pretty integral parts of teams, especially... Whenever you had the four-year stretch, he was with the Houston Rockets. He had James Harden. They were battling, going up against the Warriors every single season, never able to conquer them. But they were right there. And he was one of the real driving forces as to why they did so well. And he was still doing it. I mean, he hasn't been in that kind of opportunity. The teams he's been passed around really have not been that amazing for him so far. Now he has a chance with a deal to go back to a contender and we know that he can be a great presence defensively and offensively he does have a pretty well-rounded game so we don't we don't know we don't know who wants Trevor Riza but there's obviously reasons why someone would be attached to him for a team looking to make a run you definitely would want to have a guy like Trevor Riza at a three spot and get that foundation off the bench and get that kind of championship drive, get that, you know, leader almost in a guy like him. So, he would come over, hopefully he'd suit up and play for them and you're good to go. And if not, you get that thunder situation where he can just dump him off anyway. So, with Areza, we don't have the gauge of what we'd want. It probably would not be that much. You gave up Hamadou Diallo for a second round pick. I wouldn't imagine it'd be much different. When you do have to get up to that 12.8 million dollar Dollar amounts, it does get a little bit tricky, just like it does with George Hill. But there's going to be some team out there that probably would not mind taking on Trevor Reza. There's probably going to be some more rumors surrounding those two players. Same goes with a lot of others on our roster. I'll make sure to keep you all updated with that. We just don't know on Ariza, no more on Hill. But yeah, anyways, there is one more guy who kind of is raising some eyebrows right now, and it's because of what we have heard from the previews for tomorrow's game against the chicago bulls and that's from al horford he is not playing due to rest and this is nothing new i mean al horford sits on back-to-backs all the time he didn't play against the memphis grizzlies because it was a second game of a back-to-back set it's not like that though He's sitting against the chicago bulls and typically it's like okay that's fine because there's a second game we saw a little bit earlier, i'd probably say it was like the week before the end of the first half of play we had a denver nuggets game and it was in the second game of the back-to-back he sat out the first so we could play against nikola Jokic. that's good to go that's not how it works right now we have this game on tuesday break on wednesday and then play again on thursday so you could still vie like, yeah, he does need his rest. And I'd agree with you. I mean, he has looked better than ever coming off into the second half of play. Like that, the, what he's been doing, like slashed inside, we've never seen that. He's kind of just been a back to the basket big. So I will say that week of vacation saved him. Maybe Dagnall just wants some rest and wants to explore that roster even more. That'd be a good enough reason for me. But you could say hey, maybe there is some trade talk going on. You don't want to mess anything up. That would make sense too when you have a trade deadline so, so close and you have a guy like Al Horford. If he has an injury, you're not going to be able to trade him for the next two seasons. He's in, I think, this second year of like a four-year contract or something ridiculous. He's making $27 million on average those next three seasons. So if he gets hurt oh yeah you're not gonna be able to move him no one is gonna want that guy because he's not gonna be at the correct level and I think even past this season you probably don't want to take a shot on you know big Al Horford here and try to shape him up as like a 35 year old you know so they need to move him and I'm assuming that there's some sort of talks going on that would give reason for something like that to happen Outside of Al Horford, you also have Darius Baisley. He's sitting out for the fourth game in a row with his shoulder injury. And you know what that means? That means we're looking back at the entire bench unit. We're talking Isaiah Roby potentially playing. Moses Brown, who I'm just going to say he's going to start that fives position. And then Alexey Pokachevsky. You can't forget if Baisley's out, Pokachevsky's probably going to get that starting nod. When it comes to Lou Dorton, it looks like he is going to be set to play and Maladone should be all right there. So you have three out of your typical five starters playing up against Billy Donovan and the Chicago Bulls. Going to be a fun game seeing the Thunder go up against Billy Donovan again. I mean, it's always fun watching Mark Dagnaught go up against Billy Donovan, <laughs> just seeing what he's kind of doing in Chicago. I saw, I don't know if it was like satirical or not, but I saw some stuff where they're, We're actually, like, posts about Thomas Sadaransky playing over Kobe White. I don't know if that's true, but if that is, that is absolutely hilarious Um, that Billy Donovan would do something like that. That's such a Billy Donovan thing to do, too, just playing Sadaransky over a promising player such as Kobe White, but whatever, where there's going to be a lot of promising guys playing for us, and, you know, we have the three out of the five guys playing. Lou Dort's questionable. I'm just going to say he's going to play, though. And with Pokachevsky coming off a career game and Moses Brown coming off a career game too with a career high of 13 points. Oh, Billy Donovan's going to be scared about this one. And uh, this is going to be probably one of the more exciting games to watch out for. Like we were watching the last game against the Grizzlies. This is like a 2 p.m. Daylight savings just hit. I was freaking out because I actually got on the game a little late. I didn't know. I think it actually started at 1. Yeah, it started at 1. So I actually started watching a little bit late and I was kind of flipping out, I was like, what the heck, man, anyways, game goes on, and we don't really have much expectations, you kind of just see Pokachevsky getting rhythm, and you get excited, see him make shot after shot, you just start going wild, you want to carry that success over to this game, because that's probably the most fun game I've watched in the season, outside of like when Lou Dort was going off, and actually, some of the OKC Blue games were seriously getting me out of my seat, like, if y'all did not watch it, and I don't blame you, because these are like morning games that they played most of the time. I don't blame you for not watching. Them, but these were crazy games. So crazy. Energy level, like all the nail biters that they ended up winning at the at the back of the year. That was not what was going on. But to begin, whenever they had their Cinderella seven and one start, oh man, it was so fun relishing and all that success. And that's kind of what we've started to see here. With all the blue guys just infecting the lineup, you had three out of the five starters coming from the okc blue roster on sunday and tied jerome pokachevsky and moses brown now i don't know if jerome's going to be starting if he's coming off the bench that's going to be just as fine too because i do still think he's going to be playing a crap ton of minutes if you don't have basley or horford playing the game so you see him probably being the backup point guard and he's been really great at kind of slowing down the offense and finding players i think there's really kind of a duo starting up with ty jerome and Kendrick williams because i think their play really does kind of match each other like Kendrick williams is the cutter and we have shea godis alexander or teo maladone they love the pick and roll and it doesn't really allow so many cuts jerome he loves pick and rolls too but he kind of just sits back and waits for like 10 seconds. And that's when players can strike inside. So that's what I loved with him. I think that's how it works out. And you have guys like Isaiah Roby, too, who are going to be sitting up top and just have easy shots to hoist up. So I'm loving that. Another dude who could potentially be hoisting up from shots, Shfima Kailuk. He's not on the injury report. And, I mean, he had to be on the injury report last time. Maybe he's going to make his Thunder debut against the Chicago Bulls. I don't think a role would be gigantic for him. He's not going to be starting or anything, but like a backup two or three spot playing next to Kenrich Williams. Maybe you give Justin Jackson and Darius Miller a little bit of a backseat role. So I guess you could just see Shvi taking up that time. I mean, Justin Jackson played a a lot of minutes on Sunday, and Darius Miller, he played a lot more than usual. So there's still a lot more minutes up for grabs there, but I just think probably Shvi would get it to... Kind of just see what we can do with him. If you're still exploring the roster, you're definitely going to give him a second shot with the team. Not even second shot. This is his first time suiting up with Oklahoma City Thunder. You're going to play him a ton of minutes. So you really want to see that. You're going to see Dort playing a lot, probably if he comes back with Maladone. I mean, he was playing 30 plus minutes in all the games in this first half of, or second half of the season. So it'd be much more of that. And with, with SGA, he's a lock to get like 32. Now, I'm just excited, honestly, more about like Pokachevsky, Moses Brown, Ty Jerome, really. Shvi, I want to see how he plays. Catch and shooting, he's going to be sitting around that perimeter. Maybe he kind of surprises some people because I'm honestly walking into this thinking that he's just a shooter. And he does have some other traits. He was really good with Kansas, but he's just he's just a shooter for the most part. If he's able to show some seeds of other parts of his game, I'm going to be really really excited. As of right now, I don't really know if he has that much else. Like I know his defense is kind of all right. Like it's not too too impressive, but it's definitely on NBA standards. Attacking the basket, it's a little bit below. I mean, he's not too athletic. He is actually able to work through contact pretty well. That's what I'd say, but He's really just the catch and shoot guy that you dish out to, and that's something that obviously we really need. So you get to test him. I just want to see Moses Brown, man. I mean, going up against what? Wendell Carter Jr., most likely. I know that they got some pretty good guys on the Chicago Bulls. I think it's like Shimmy Shimmy Tushitu or something. I remember that guy from one of the earlier games. I know he's playing. He was playing in the In the G League, I remember seeing that name. He was one of the best, like, rebounders or something. Obviously, I don't think he's playing serious time. If he does, it's going to be garbage time. But I I think that'd be cool. Some G League guys just battling in the game. I just want to see kind of how he's able to follow up a performance like he has. And his game's always going to be the exact same. Like, he is just screen setter, drive to the basket, and if he gets the ball off a dump-off, he's just throwing it down and giving you a crap ton of momentum. And in a post-up spot, I mean, 7'2", 7'4", wingspan, he does kind of just look right over you anyway. So we can get a pretty sweet hook shot off. He gets it to go. Kind of been a little bit harder in, like, the back half of his blue stint. And, I mean, with the Thunder, we haven't really seen a ton. He did have some success, actually, in the post so far. But I just want to see more of that and kind of seeing how he responds to pressure because he... Whenever he gets double teamed or triple teamed around the baseline, he's he's done for. I mean, he has not been able to kind of finesse his way out of those situations. He kind of just stands there, the ball gets all tangled up, and you either have a jump ball or a turnover. I have not seen him kind of rip the ball out and make a really good kick out outside yet. Whenever he gets the ball off an offensive rebound, he will get tangled up with two guys. But he's able to muscle it up and get a second shot off, even third or fourth tries off that seriously happened before so i want to see how he responds to pressure at the baseline if billy donovan chooses to try to do that that's something that i would assume coaches would try to be looking at if they had the tape on him and if they were taking like taking extensive research on the man that's probably his weak spot from what i've seen outside of shooting like that's a clear cut part but yeah i want to see how he works there and obviously trying to get some rebounds because he did have a lower total of only four in the last game and with pokachevsky I mean the sky's the limit with this man and you don't want to rule out him playing better I mean you may see like the 23 and 10 five three-pointers made like he's not gonna be able to follow it up with that and you know what that's probably good odds but you don't want to doubt pokachevsky man he has been doubted this whole entire season has that major game and now everyone's on his side don't get off the train it's just getting started it's just leaving the station make sure you join along for the ride so get ready for pokachevsky if he doesn't have a good game you get ready for the next game on thursday but anyways it's going to be a very exciting game to watch There's going to be a lot of stuff to talk about not just some of the players we've already seen but new players such as Fima Luke, and maybe even some more trade stuff coming through with all kind of this rapid fire change coming in the next 10 days. So I'll keep you up to date with that. I will talk to you all tomorrow and I hope you all have a great rest of your day. See ya.